0: What do you mean that there are no leftovers just because we didn't come together to worship Sunday morning? That everywhere that there is Bible study, everywhere that you do devotions, there are always leftovers. <laughs> Everybody. Welcome to... Um, I don't really know what it's called. Whatever. There's no Sunday morning yesterday because we had a, a, a second blizzard in as many weeks. We had another blizzard. So, yeah. Um, there, there was no travel. Uh, gas stations were closed. Um, and who cares because you couldn't go anywhere in the morning anyway um it it was um it it was blizzardy not nearly as much snow obviously as uh last week but uh we had a, a fun little blizzard nevertheless so um we had to cancel uh for the first time in this winter season and i think for the first time in the last couple of years i don't think we've had to cancel um sunday morning worship in a while which is uh good but uh, we had lots of snow, um, and I hope that you did a little bit of family worship um, during the Sunday morning, that your families got together and maybe watched a sermon. I know some people that have done that, or uh, got together and done your own devotions with your children, if you have young children. Um, something, right? Just because uh, we can't come together because of weather or something, that that doesn't take the responsibility um, away from us to to consider this another day that the Lord has made. And not only that, but the Lord's day in which Jesus rose from the dead. We just celebrated this with Easter. Um, so I, I hope that you spent a little bit of time uh, Sunday worshiping with your family, uh, or or if you're single and you're in an apartment stuck, uh, that you spent some uh, solid time de- uh, devoted to God um, in your uh, in, in the Word and in prayer and all of that, um, because it doesn't change uh, the the uh, mandate for us to to treat Sunday as the Lord's day and to to um, worship Him. Uh, doesn't change. So, uh, but hopefully, Lord willing, uh, we get back together this week. So uh, I, when I did our uh, kind of family time of uh, worshiping and, and brief Bible study uh, with the kids and with Donna, um, we, we really talked about prayer. Um, and it was kind of a prayer lesson for the kids, and I had them make uh, their very first prayer list—an actual on-paper um, list for them to be praying for. We have two boys, so they're already praying for their future wives, which was pretty weird for Wyatt, but um, but I think he's gonna—he'll grow into it. Um, but uh, so they had a, a, a list of uh, things that they are going to begin to pray about, but uh, Wyatt um, and, and Dallas both. So part of prayer, we know as seasoned believers, any of you who've been, uh, Christians for a while, you know that a huge part of prayer, frankly, hopefully more than our requests, part of uh, the, uh, being made known to God, um, is our thanksgiving to him, our worship of him in prayer. And so we just took a moment and I explained to them, um, the, the, Uh, i said um where when we ask where have you seen god at work which we do all the time at our church it's a a a normal thing that we ask and do we're going to ask that at the business meeting next week um and um we do at the beginning of every business meeting ask that question and we do at the uh, elder meetings that we have and um, it comes up a lot, so I asked the boys, "Where have you seen God at work?" Um, in just this blizzard that was raging outside when we were when we were doing this, and um, and they uh, said, uh, looked looked for a moment, a moment and thought, and then um, and then said, mm, "God provided moisture," and and I said, "Yes, right." So even something that small is good for them to start thinking about that. And then I listed some other things that. Um, just kind of off the top of my head that I I saw in the blizzard that we talked about briefly. Um, one of those things is that God is uh, powerful. Look at the, the force of nature that is happening right now. God is a powerful God. He is all powerful. So I know that I can depend on him, that I can be confident in his ability to do what I need to be done. And and uh, his ability and and power to take care of uh, me, to take care of the, the church, to take care of our family, all of the things that come up in life, God is bigger than those things. And you can just look outside at a blizzard and tell that. Um, another thing is God answers prayer. This is the thing that, that the boys brought up, right? God answers prayer. The, this town and the people around, even people that aren't Christians, have been praying um, to a God they don't worship for a few years now um, uh, In, in that, that he would send moisture. We've been in a rough situation. Everyone who's listening to this and is from here knows this, right? Um, so these past couple of weeks have been really good for that. Um, and and I think even in that um, answer to, to prayer, uh, we see God showing grace even to those who are still in active rebellion against him. Even to those who hate God, he still is showing grace by giving them the moisture that they need to. they are uh, ranchers and, and farmers who, who don't know Christ, who don't care about God, who have no relationship with him, and yet they're going to benefit from God's gracious answer to the prayers of his saints by the um, the, the thing that has happened, the moisture that has come. Um, and, and I think another th- quick thing that, that we see just by... It doesn't take much. The past couple of weeks have been uh, God forcing us as people here anyway, to slow down, to stop all the activities, stop all the stuff, stop all the going out to do this and that and the other thing, and just be. And that's healthy. That's a good thing. And so there there are a lot there are many more things, but you can look at just anything and, and begin to, to think about all of the different ways that this is showing who God is and showing his character. So anyway, that's, that's kind of what we did. Um, my own personal devotion time has been kind of fun. I've been in Jeremiah, uh, mostly, and, uh, my, my own personal devotion time has really been, um, uh, really focused a, a lot on, um, the, the word of God. Um, and does it just mean that i I'm reading the word of God, but Jeremiah in chapter 36, uh, he, uh, God commands him to write down on a scroll all of the things that God has told him. So uh, basically the book of Jeremiah, the, all of the prophecies uh, that, that God has um, uh, said to Jeremiah, all the things that, he's, uh, that Jeremiah has been able to say, thus says the Lord, um, all of those things Uh, So Jeremiah writes all the stuff down, and uh, then he uh, commands Baruch, um, his right-hand man, his scribe, essentially. Um, He he says, go and read this. Uh, He says um, in... Uh, verse six of chapter thirty-six. Uh, so you shall go and read from the scroll which you have written at my dictation, the words of Yahweh in the hearing of the people in the house of Yahweh on on a fast day, and also you shall read them in the hearing of all the people of Judah who come from their cities. And so, anyway, long story short, Baruch does this. He takes it, and uh, they call for a fast. Uh, he reads it in the temple. Uh, before uh, some people, then those people go tell other people. Uh, The word begins to spread all of these prophecies, all of this judgment that God has been pronouncing. Um, And so really, um, the people begin to react well and correctly. Uh, the, The people... Uh, in verse sixteen, it says, "Now it happened that when they heard all the words, they turned in dread to one another and said to Baruch, We will surely declare all these words to the king. And so uh, there's a, a sense throughout all of all of them there's a sense that, uh, that wow, this is serious business. Um, that so they are taking the words of Jeremiah as uh, uh, as the warning that it should be taken as they uh, they're uh, hearing what he's saying. They're uh, smelling what Jeremiah is stepping in, right? So that that's going on. Uh, they react well. They take it to the king, and it's a totally different story. Um, it's a totally different story. Uh, verse 20, So they went to the king in the court, but they had uh, deposited the scroll in the chamber of Elishama, the scribe, and they declared all the words in the hearing of the king. So they tell the king, what is going on. They tell him what they have heard, and the king uh, burns it. (laughs) The the king has the scroll burned, and they didn't even get all the way through reading it. They didn't even get all the way through reading it. Um, (laughs) It says, and it happened, that when uh, Jehudi, had read three or four columns. The king cut it with a scribe's knife and threw it into the fire. So they hadn't even read that much. And the king is like, nope, I don't think so. And he cuts it up and throws it in the fire. So the king, unlike all the other people that had uh, been really cut to the heart by this judgment and were worried and uh, unlike all of those people, all the king heard was, um, uh, that Babylon was going to come and destroy the place. Um, and so with that, the king uh, doesn't... Re- Here's the difference in, in the, between the king and the people that heard it before. The people that heard it before um, took what Jeremiah had uh, heard from God as words from God. As this warning is from God Himself, that's the the big deal. That's if it were just Jeremiah saying, "Hey, this is going to happen," then perhaps you would take that into account because the, you know the, this might be a very wise, learned person, and, and they might be kind of noticing some trends and know where things are going a little bit by just what's happening. But but by and large, that's just a grain of salt kind of a thing. Um, they're and, and not only that, but the things that are being said, the judgments that are being pronounced are pretty, like, they're pretty rough. Um, and so uh, when the king hears um, the beginning of the scroll read, the beginning of the prophecies of Jeremiah, the king doesn't take the same, uh, he doesn't take it the same. He doesn't take it as words from God that you cannot uh, and must not uh, erase, that you must not ignore, that cannot be ignored, that will not change. He doesn't take it as that. He, He hears Jeremiah writing some junk on a scroll. And so he doesn't care about this. In fact, he thinks who are you jeremiah to write this stuff down about us to to assume that we're going to lose this little battle or whatever to assume that uh babylon is going to come and take over who do you think you are is kind of the attitude from the king so um what he doesn't take into account is that the word of the lord stands forever that god's word doesn't change that God's uh, um, attitude and and this prophecy, there's no way um, on the planet that this wasn't going to come true. It was a prophecy from God given to Jeremiah, not just Jeremiah predicting some stuff, right? That's the very difference between a prophet of God and a false prophet, not of God. Uh, these words came from God himself. And in verse 29 of the same chapter, it says this, and concerning, this is, this is the rewriting of the scroll the scroll being replaced so God again is dictating to Jeremiah and he says write everything down again and add this okay uh, and concerning Jehoiakim the king of Judah you shall say thus says Yahweh you have burned this scroll saying why have you written on it that the king of Babylon will certainly come and make this land a ruin and will make uh, and will make man and beast to cease from it So this is the king's position. Uh, Why would you write that, Jeremiah? Okay. Therefore, verse 30, thus says Yahweh concerning Jehoiakim, king of Judah, he shall have no one to sit on the throne of David, and his dead body shall be cast out to the heat of the day and the frost of the night. And I will also punish him and his seed and his servants for their iniquity, and I will bring on them and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and the men of Judea all the evil that I have spoken about them. But they did not listen so there's a a good solid picture here as to why we should um why we should pay attention and when we read the scriptures when we are with our families doing devotion time or whatever it might be when we read the scriptures um we must not be like this king we must be a people who take it as the very word of god um, and so uh, one more thing, um, since I'm, I'm only 15 minutes in, I'm doing pretty good. Um, there, in just uh, chapter 38, there's another thing that goes on that, um, so the the first king, uh, Jehoiada, he he doesn't believe that these are the words of God. I mean, this is pretty clear. He just, he thinks, Jer- why would you write this, Jeremiah? Um, it, so it's not, it's not as if God's, uh, word ha- had happened. It's not as if God had spoken. He's he's frustrated that Jeremiah had spoken, um, and so he doesn't take it as the word of God. Okay, so here's another um, another situation that that in in my mind is even more dangerous and and more uh, uh, and uh, worse. Okay, it's more dangerous, and it's even worse than the first. And that's in chapter thirty-eight of Jeremiah. And Jeremiah, uh, so King Zedekiah, okay, says in verse 14, Then King Zedekiah sent and had Jeremiah the prophet brought to him at the third entrance that is in the house of Yahweh. And the king said to Jeremiah, I'm going to ask you something. Do not hide anything from me. So he's asking for Jeremiah to tell him what's going to happen. He's asking for counsel from Jeremiah because he knows that Jeremiah speaks um, the truths of God he knows that Jeremiah, what Jeremiah says is from God. So this is not the same situation as before. Um, So I'm going to, I'm going to ask you something. Do not hide anything from me. But Jeremiah said to Zedekiah, if I tell you, will you not certainly put me to death? Besides, if I give you counsel, you will not listen to me. (laughs) So there are two things that Jeremiah says here. One, um, if I tell you what's going to happen, you're just going to kill me. Um, And two, if I tell you what's going to happen, you're not going to listen anyway. So there are two things that he says to the king. Now, um, listen to verse 16. But King Zedekiah swore to Jeremiah in secret, saying, As Yahweh lives, who made this life for us, surely I will not put you to death, nor will I give you over to the hand of these men who are seeking your life. So notice what he didn't commit to. Um, he, he, uh, will accept that Jeremiah is going to give him an answer from God. Um, he puts stock into it. He actually went and asked Jeremiah, um, to, to tell him, <laughs> to tell him the answer to this. And Jeremiah has two problems with that. One, you're going to kill me. And two, you're not going to listen. And in verse 16, the king, uh, said, no, 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 I'm not going to kill you. Uh, I promise, <laughs> but but he says nothing about listening to it. There's there's no commitment, even though he understands who this is and what's being said. There's no commitment whatsoever to uh, listen and obey. Okay, there's no commitment to listen and obey. So what happens? Verse 17. Then Jeremiah said to Zedekiah, "Thus says Yahweh God of hosts, the God of Israel, if you will indeed." Go out to the officers of the king of Babylon, and you will live. This city will not be burned with fire, and you and your household will live. So there's a do this and live moment there. Verse 18 is the alternative. But if you will not go out to the officers of the king of Babylon, then this city will be given over to the hand of the Chaldeans, and they will burn it with fire, and you yourself will not escape from their hand. So do this and die. (laughs) Okay? So uh, pay attention to the, the... Uh, uh, progression of all of this. So do this and live is verse 17. Do this and die is verse 18. Here's the excuse in verse 19. Then King Zedekiah said to Jeremiah, I am anxious because of the Jews who have gone over to the Chaldeans, lest they give me over into their hand and they deal severely with me. So he's, he's worried that if he go, if he obeys, if he goes over to them, that they're going to deal severely with him, that he's going to be tortured or uh, put to death or whatever, okay? Even though God has just said through Jeremiah, do this and you will live. And even though God has said through Jeremiah just after that, do this and you will die, you will not live, the city will be burned, all, the, all of that. Even though that be true, he doesn't believe God, he he equates what he, what he's worried about. He's worried about the the judgment of man more than the judgment of God. More than the judgment of God. So uh, then Jeremiah responds, and he pleads again for the king to obey, and then gives him more. Uh, reason to obey he he lays it out even further right so in verse 20 but jeremiah said they will not give you over please listen to the voice of yahweh and what i'm saying to you that it may go well with you and you may live so jeremiah is reiterating you, please listen to yahweh this is yahweh this is god talking zedekiah please listen and obey please listen and obey you will live okay Uh, But then he goes on, but if you keep refusing to go out, this is the word which Yahweh has shown me. And behold, all the women who have remained in the house of the king of Judah are going to be brought out to the officers of the king of Babylon. And behold, those women will say... Uh, your close friends have misled and overpowered you. While your feet were sunk in the mud, they turned back. And they will also bring out all your wives and your sons to the Chaldeans, and you yourself will not escape from their hand. So again, he's been presented with, do this, Zedekiah, and live. Please do this and live. If you don't do this, uh, you will die. You'll die. So, What happens? Zedekiah does not fear God's judgment the same way that he fears what men might do to him, which Jesus clears up for us uh, very plainly. Um, Do not fear what uh, they can do to you. Uh, Rather, fear the one who can um, destroy both body and soul in hell. So Jesus tells us this, the answer to this, the anecdote to this, uh, the the correct response Jesus gives us, the correct response that, that God's judgment is by far, uh, it, it's it's not even comparable, it's in, incomprehensibly greater um, than the judgment, any judgment that you could that could be rendered by man, um, and yet Zedekiah doesn't obey. He doesn't he's too afraid of of what men might do to him and so chapter 39 the very next chapter records the fall of jerusalem because of the disobedience of zedekiah so i think um th- there are a couple of different things uh real quick to tie all of that up um one the the first king just doesn't even recognize that this is god's god's word and not just jeremiah's and i think sometimes we can we can fall into that same kind of thing um i I, of course the world has fallen into that they see uh, in fact one of the major things that you hear about the world and and why they don't believe and why they don't trust the scriptures is because it was written by men um so this is the same situation the king is is uh just looking at this as something that jeremiah wrote this doesn't hold all the weight of, uh, of the God of all creation giving this to Jeremiah to write down at word for word. It doesn't hold that kind of weight. He's just assuming this is that why would you say this, Jeremiah? Um, not, oh my goodness, God has said this, right? Um, so there's a disconnect there. And we can have that too. Uh, we as Christians who, who, you know, intellectually, I know this is the word of God. I know that uh, this, this is uh, word for word. I understand and believe wholeheartedly in the iner- inerrance uh, uh, of scripture. It is inerrant. It is perfect. It is infallible. It is God's exact words. So uh, that is just true. If you're an Orthodox Christian, if you're uh, if, if you're going to take Christianity seriously, you must believe that. That's the very building block of it. So, uh, and yet, sometimes we can uh, think, well, Paul said in, right, or James said in his letter, or uh, but uh, Matthew said this in his gospel account. And while all of those things are accurate and I'm not saying don't say that. I'll say those things from the pulpit, okay? That's not bad to say that. But we always have to remember that that as Paul said that, he was carried along by the Holy Spirit to say that. Scripture tells us. Um he he it, th- these are God's words through Paul. Um and, and it's dangerous. It can be dangerous to fall into that. It can lose its authority in our minds and in our hearts and in our lives if we forget and don't take into account and don't dwell on the fact that it is God's word. And two, uh, the, the, the worst of the two uh, issues is I do believe it's God's word, but I don't believe God. I don't believe he's going to fulfill it. Um, God wouldn't do that to me. Uh, and, and that's where Zedekiah was. Zedekiah was afraid of what the people were going to say. He was afraid of what the, the people were going to do to him. Uh, even though God, God Almighty, had said already, This won't happen. Don't worry about this. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to allow it. He says, If you do this, if you obey what I'm saying, if you just turn yourself in, um, then you'll live. You'll live. Jeremiah, but if you don't, the city's going to be burned. Many captives, many more deaths, and you will not escape it. So he didn't believe God's word. He didn't believe God was trustworthy. He didn't believe that God would uh, would judge him in that way. And that's far more dangerous for us even than the first one that that we as christian it's actually the the default state of the unbeliever they they might um uh, i don't believe this is god's word uh but even if it is they don't care they they fear man a whole lot more than they fear they fear what uh, twitter has to say a whole lot more they fear what might be in the news a whole lot more this is why you have celebrities who fake some sort of repentance uh, for pr purposes not because they're truly sorry or broken for some sin that they committed um so the world is like this the world uh hears god's words and literally doesn't give a rip they do not care um but this can happen to us too How often do you and I read God's word? The very people who hold it as God's word will read God's word and we read commands. We read uh, uh, um, commands to do things. We read commands to not do things. We uh, see the way of life that this person is describing. We see the the uh, kingdom citizenship and what that looks like that Jesus describes in the Sermon on the Mount. We read Paul's letters and see how Christians and churches are supposed to live and do life together, and yet we continue to disobey in so many of those areas. And so I I, I think as I'm reading through Jeremiah, I'm actually going to finish it today. I'm, I'm not in these chapters anymore. This was earlier in the week, but I just wanted to share that. Um, but as as i'm reading through jeremiah now and and other prophets and and different things and as i study the new testament for um uh teaching that i'm doing preaching and teaching and that sort of thing um as i'm as i'm looking at this i i'm i'm reminded um by these couple of stories alone but by many other things that that i i have to fight against my flesh And not only treat this as the very words of God, the inspired, infallible, inerrant, uh, uh, breathed out by God, holy scriptures. um, So that they hold all authority. They hold all authority in our life to tell us what to do and what we must not do. And so the question in my mind can never be, well, but this or well, but that, that's the question that this guy had. That's what Zedekiah did. He said, but if I go out, I'm afraid they're going to do this. There's no, but if I go out, I'm afraid they're going to do this. There's no room for that in the life of the Christian. The Christian must always say, God's word says this. And so I'm doing this. And so I pray for you and for me that we will all do that as we move forward this week and I, I assume get back to regular life lord willing so i'll see you next time